Welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. How's everybody doing? Doing all right? Yes. Let's go. Oh, this is like a trick thing here. Okay. All right, I'll put this water down. I'm battling a little something. Don't tell anybody in the medical field, though. I probably just told on myself there. But uh, it's good to be with you guys. Excited to be here. We're going to talk about something that is key, key to making it through your journey as a Christian. And uh, that is embracing grace. It's embracing grace, a topic that uh, I think I can, go, I can go stretches where it's like, wait, all right, I'm kind of being a little bit hard on myself. You know, I'm a little bit more critical. It's a little bit more tension at home. And I'm like, what's going on here? And typically it always comes back to grace. And a lot of times, like, it always comes back to my understanding of God's grace. Like, how is that going? I'm the type of person I need to read a book on grace at least once a year. At least once a year. I am, I am the quintessential guilty soul uh, never doing enough, never enough. Um, and so for me, I just always need grace in my life. So if you ever see me being a little bit edgy, you should be like, Pat, when was the last time you read a book on grace? <laughs> with, say it with love, though, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you catch me at the wrong time, I'd be a little, a little bit crazy there, right? All right, but here we go. So uh, embracing grace. Um, if this is, we got to get this thing working here. We'll get it. Embracing grace is uh, key. This was, when I first became a Christian, you know, one of my driving motivations was, you know, obviously I want to go to heaven and I don't want to go to hell. (laughs) That was like a driving force. And then, but what helped me to stay faithful was an understanding of God's grace. Because it was just the sacrifice, going through it, I, I just felt like, man, if I have to live like this, like wondering if I'm just one step away from like condemnation all the time, this is, I don't know how I'm going to make it through, you know. So it was grace that really saved me. Here's a great acronym, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what grace is. It is God's riches to us at Christ's expense. So everything that we have, the grace that we have, came at the expense of Christ and his death. That's why we have grace. That's why you get this unmerited favor, right, why God favors you, even when it's like, wait, why would God favor me? Right? Why does God love me? Well, it's because of Christ's expense. Right? He's loved us from the beginning of time, uh, the beginning of eternity, and he shows that and displays that through his son. But not only does he display his love, but he offers us grace through the sacrifice of Jesus. Here's a scripture that really, I think, embraces this idea really well. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So through the poverty of God, through the poverty of Jesus, it was so that we could become rich. I don't, I've never heard of a story like that. Somebody rich becoming poor so that a, a stranger can become rich. Right? Like that is, that's special. That's something that was gonna, is going to stand out and is going to change people's lives, right? And that's what, that's what God did for all of us. And this came at an extremely high cost. You know, Jesus, he was rich. He became poor so that we could become rich. 
My question right now to start off is, do you feel rich today? Do you feel spiritually rich? Do you feel peace? Do you feel excited? Do you feel zealous? Do you feel fired up about your faith? Do you feel victorious? I think many of us here today probably don't resonate with all of those feelings. I know I, I don't always resonate with all those feelings, like victorious. Like it depends on the, your week, right? It depends on your month. It depends on your decade. You know, it's like it can feel hard, right? And so that's why grace is so important to constantly come back to. Constantly come back to. It doesn't make sense, this grace, right? That's why I think it's a really hard concept for I talk to the teens a lot about grace. I know campus. I know for probably any of us, really, honestly. It's a really hard concept to grasp and to believe. Because everything in our world is not grace-based. You know, it's work and you get this and it's do this and you get that. And then if you behave, you'll get a promotion. And if you don't, you'll get fired. Like, that's, that's life. You know, you work hard, you get good grades. Like, kill yourself for your school and get a This is how the world is structured, right? So grace is very alien, really. It's from another planet. The idea of grace is just like, yeah, no, we don't really see that a lot here. But we got to see that in the church, amen? And we have that from God as well. So this is a, an incredible passage here, Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. And listen for grace, listen for love, listen to understand who God is. I just want you to listen to like, okay, this is the character of God for us. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Does that describe how you see God today as kind, as merciful, right? As this like loving God who is truly kind and really loves you. And it's not like, it's not a facade. It's real love. It's real love. Do you feel, when you think of God and how God thinks of you. Do you, would those be those adjectives that you experience? Kindness, love, forgiveness, all of those things that were mentioned, his grace, right? And it talks about how it's through this grace we are actually saved, right? But there's a key element to that, and it's our faith, through faith, right? So that, that's our part of this, of this partnership. The, the grace is offered to us. The, the question is, is do we have faith in it? Do we have faith that it's for real? That's what God is looking for from us. And I want to encourage everybody to read the Bible with the fullness of the cross in mind. You know, so often, uh, this is a trick thing here. All right, I'm just going to look at this. Like, All right, so <laughs> it's going to turn into a comedy hour in a second up here. All right, um, so... All right, so God, so cross grace. You guys with me so far? Sorry, I just distracted everybody. All right, uh, cross grace. So we have the death, burial, and resurrection, right? And I think sometimes, you know, we'll go through this, and this is really cool theologically speaking, 
So the death is kind of like, what does that tell us about God? It tells us that he's righteous. So where there is sin, there has to be death, right? That's just like, you know, they, they offered sacrifices at the temple. That's how they were able to kind of, you know, uh, basically come back into the grace of God was through a sacrifice. So when we see the death of Jesus, it reminds us that God is righteous, meaning the injustices in the world are not going unnoticed. So it's important to have the cross because it speaks to the fact that we do serve a righteous God, right? The burial, the, the, that, that teaches us that God is faithful even when at times he's silent, right? Because it's three days, right, of Jesus being in a tomb. And some of the, some of the themes there are faith, trust, wilderness, desert, doubts. Uh, on the righteousness side, you know, some of the, the undertones there are sin, repentance, judgment, pain, sacrifice. Then the resurrection, right? So you have death, burial, resurrection. The resurrection teaches us that God is merciful, right? God is merciful. So as hard as you are on yourself, God is not nearly as hard on you. God is super merciful, more merciful than we could ever imagine. More merciful than Satan is trying to make you think that he's not, right? Oh, okay, thanks, Sam. I appreciate you, man. My, this is my hero right here, bro. Thank you. Let's give it up for Sam. What's that? Oh, and, and, and shout out to Rick Velez as well. You know, that's, that's the guy too. All right. So, all right. So I think with, with resurrection, it's really important because then we get to see like, all right, this is new life, guys. This is, this is what it's about. Who doesn't want to experience the resurrection life? Right? Who doesn't want to experience new life, new creation, victory, power, right? And so often, we just leave Jesus on the cross, like, that's our Christianity. When you look at this and you think, which of these, which resonates with you the most of those words at the bottom? Sin, repentance, judgment, pain, sacrifice. I think we're really good at sacrifice. We're really good at understanding that, oh, I got to be sacrificial. We got to be sacrificial. We got to grind. We got to work for God. Right? We're good at that. That's a strength of ours. But why do we stop there all the time? We just stop there. It's like, okay, unless I'm a martyr... Unless I'm a martyr, God's not going to love me, right? Unless I'm giving everything I got, God's not going to love me. And that's not true. And so what happens is we burn out, we get tired, and then we come to church, and, we're, and it's like sad. You know, it's like, it's like hard to be here sometimes, right? And, and we come in, and, and, and what is that, right? No one, no one wants to go to a church with unhappy people, right? Nobody does, all right? And so we got to get to the resurrection, Right? We have to move through from cross to burial to resurrection, you know. And, and it is hard. But you can take the situation that you're, experience, you're experiencing and take it through cross, burial, resurrection. Where's the victory part of your story? So often our Christianity is just left on the cross. Sacrifice. We get it, right? Because guess what? The world is also pretty good at sacrifice. People are killing themselves every day for their jobs, Right? So that kind of comes a little bit more natural. How much of that is really God, right? How much of that is maybe your anxiety driving you? How much of that is really just your work ethic and the way you were raised, right? Because it look, can look virtuous. It can look, look really good, like, oh, wow, you're a really great person. But, like, is that really of God? You might see me working really hard, right? But guess what? I'm already hardwired that way. How much of that is really self-denial? Maybe self-denial is actually me stopping. Maybe it takes more faith for me to stop than to keep going. Because that's saying, all right, God, I'm actually not the man. 
You are. You're going you're gonna to do it. How is that for you guys? Are you on the resurrection side of your Christianity today? Are you on the resurrection side of your Christianity today? Here are some signs you may not be embracing God's grace. You walk around with constant feelings of guilt. You don't feel confident in God's love for you. You fear punishment all the time. You're hyper aware of every mistake you make. You take way too much pride in your accomplishments. Look at Christianity like a stop doing list. This is for the teens, right? It's like, oh, it's the Christianity is a list of stop doing. Uh, you feel like you have to earn God's love and affection. And you think God expects you to be perfect. Any of those resonate with you guys? I'm a recovering uh, perfectionist, so we're in this thing together. All right, there we go. Ooh, the water from Bethlehem. Okay. Um, so we all deal with this, right? We deal with some guilt. But we got to start embracing God's grace today. You need to start embracing God's grace today. The teens need to see you embracing God's grace today. Because let me tell you something. They don't want the duty brand of Christianity. They don't want the cross-only cross brand of Christianity. What is that? How is that attractive? If there's no resurrection, what, made, what makes Christianity attractive? It's just a man that died, period, done, end of story, right? So we have to display a resurrected Christ, not a, cross that, not a Christ that only died. Take stands for God's grace today. Don't let anyone make you feel like God does not love you because you have not done enough. Amen? And for us to have that attractive church, we have to be that light. We have to have that shift. If you feel like it's needed for you, amen. We can't stay on the cross. Cannot stay there. And I hope we can make a decision today to no longer live on the cross side as a, as a church, as individuals. And we can really help each other do this. We have to see to it that we do not allow other people to miss the grace of God. As much as we're helping people with a million other things, make sure they don't miss the grace of God. If you see somebody being hard on themselves, beating themselves up, wondering if they are worth anything, make sure they do not miss the grace of God. Because Satan is right there. You might see somebody that's struggling, having a hard time, but you don't know that in their head Satan is attacking them every single day. And that maybe for some people just getting to church was the, was the biggest miracle that was able to happen to them that day. The biggest manifestation of God's grace. So it's through a relationship that we begin to understand those things. And I want to share with you guys three incredible aspects of God's grace. And one of those things is that God's grace forgives your sin. In Isaiah 1.18 it says, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. This is awesome. This is like this transformation from this. I mean, it's not something you do, right? I have a few more scriptures I want to share with you guys. Ephesians 1, 6 through 7. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. You cannot earn it. You cannot earn your salvation. Teens, you cannot earn your salvation. Campus, you cannot earn your salvation. Church, you cannot earn your salvation. You can't earn it. Cannot earn it. Grace, you got to make it personal, guys. This has to become personal. This is John 3, 16. 
And, and I was, it's so funny how lack, I'm such a guilty soul, I'll tell you a little bit. I was thinking about doing this today because the, the blank started to insert your name. And I was like, man, who needs encouragement today? You know, like who could I throw in here because not, you know, me, forget me, right? It's just like, I'm like, that's my mentality. And I'm like, no, you know what? I'm going to put my name in there today, all right? So I want you to do the same on your own time as well. For God so loved Patrick that he gave his one and only son, that, Pat, that if Patrick believes in him, he shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to Patrick to condemn Patrick, but to save Patrick through him. Amen? you got to make this thing personal, guys. Grace has to become personal to you. When you see God so loved the world, it's like, yeah, that's the world. That's not really me. Oh, that's the world. That's everybody else. Like, you know, and, and you preach that to other people, but deep down you're like, man, does God really save me? Does God really not condemn me? Think about that. God did not send his son to condemn, period. He, it's not the point. That's not why he came. The fact is we stood condemned. We needed a savior. He came as a bailout. He came to help us. So to think that all of a sudden that you become a disciple or whatever and then God transforms into this condemning God is crazy. That wasn't the point from the beginning. Yet sometimes as Christians we're like all of a sudden God switched up. And it's like, no, your perception of God switched up. How you saw God switched up. All of a sudden you got baptized and you came out of the water like, oh, I guess I'm perfect now. And then you realize you're not perfect. And you're like, oh, man, I blew it. You were never supposed to be perfect. That was the whole point of why you made it to baptism. And then, and then you try to do it on your own strength. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I talk about this with the teens. or This is a thought I had. I don't know if I even mentioned it. But I think sometimes, sometimes we can baptize. Like when people get baptized, we think they're getting baptized into maturity or into adulthood. They're just baptized into Christ. And they're able to be immature kids, teens. Not adults, but still disciples, right? And sometimes we think when people get baptized, it's like, oh, now you're going to come out the water. You're going to know how to do your schedule. You're going to know how to get the stuff on time. You're going to know how to coordinate your next Bible talk meet meeting. It's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? No, they're not. And then, and then, they, then they can feel that. They feel that from the church. Like, oh, they came late. And you give them the side eye. It's like, dude, I'm in, I'm in college, man. You know what I mean? Where's the grace? Where's grace? Like, I don't have my own car. I had to get a ride with six other people in a four-seater car. What are you talking about? You know? Why? And then imagine if they did it to y'all. The one time you're late. What, you know, what's your excuse, right? We got to have grace for each other. It's wild. This is what Jesus did. Through his death, he just gave us a bridge. He gave us a bridge across. Right? All we got to do is walk across. It's like imagine seeing this bridge and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, no, I'm good. What? I'd rather jump. That's what you're saying when you try to do it with your own effort. That's what you're saying. I'd rather jump. Can we put the bridge down? Because I'm trying to show some, I'm trying to, you know, I need to stretch out. I've been working on my squats. You know, it's like, no, just take the bridge. God opened it up for all of us. Right? And this took everything. This took a death. This took the death of God himself to create this bridge. And all we have to do is walk. Just walk across it. Guys, just walk across it. We don't have to make this harder. When you realize that your sin put Jesus on the cross, that, that's a tough pill to swallow. It is. 
It is. It's hard to understand, especially as a new dad, you know, why God would forgive us for killing his son. But he does. And the reason his son had to die, just a reminder, it's because God is righteous. Something had to die because of sin. So it's either you or his son. Right? So it's hard to understand why God would forgive that. And it's because of our sin that ultimately that had to happen. You know, to experience this resurrection life, we have to first participate. So if you want to experience, so we're, I'm going to weave this in throughout. If you want to experience this resurrection life, okay. And for many of us, they've, they've, they've done this. Maybe not for all of us. But to experience the resurrection life, we have to participate. This makes perfect sense if you really think about it. In the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Makes perfect sense that we would have to model the same thing. That he showed us the way to get in touch with his grace. To get access to this. Right? To, to find the door. To make sure we know how to get there. Right? And here it is in Romans 6, 1 through 7. I'm just going to read, I'm sorry, verse 3 through 5. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been unified with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be unified, united with him in a resurrection like his. When we're baptized, this is what is happening. And it's in conjunction with our faith. All right, it's in conjunction with our faith. Let me show you guys something. So you remember this, right? So we have this, this cross grace, right, this way. And I want to encourage you guys. I was listening to one of our uh, teachers in our, our fellowship, Greg, Dr. Greg Moretzky, I believe is his name. But he talks about how, you know, reading the Bible through the lens of the cross. And you can see it in the Old Testament. Every, and everywhere you look in the Bible, you'll see the cross. And as you read the Old Testament, New Testament, as you even go about your life, like, look through this lens of the cross, right, and all that, all that comes with it. And so you have this death, burial, resurrection, okay? And so for us, our participation, it's, it's very, it's, it's so cool. I mean, it's so perfect. It's divine, right? It's repentance, baptism, new life. That we get to participate, right? We get to participate in the same thing that Jesus did. It's, it's this self-denial. That's, that's tough. That's hard. Repentance is tough. It, it does feel like going to the cross. Because when I'm angry, I want to, you know, Right? That would feel good to let it out. Do you know what I'm saying or no? That's just me? Okay. Uh, you know, I saw the, uh, my Italian paisan said, yeah, all right. So for, for a lot of us, it's like, yeah, when you're angry, you want to be angry. And it feels good to let it out. So to, to stop yourself is, a, is your own crucifixion, right? You're just like, ah, no, I can't do it. And that hurts. It hurts to deny sin. It hurts. It's painful. It's a cross. Baptism, it's this time of like, Silence, doubt, I don't know what's on the other side. Is God really going to raise me up? Right? And then you get out of the water and you're like, wait, am I, am I changed? Like, you know, did it work? Like, who, I mean, I don't know. It's like you want somebody to tell you you're glowing or something, right? Like, oh, yeah, I saw the halo on your head, actually. Here's a picture. And it's like a sunbeam that randomly got caught there. But, but it's like, you know, I do think that, I do think that, you know, baptism is that time where it, there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of fear. Is this really going to work? Am I really going to come out with a new life? And then you get to the other side and it's like, oh, okay, I'm still immature. Yeah, okay. I still have some, 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 some stuff, but I got a new path. I have a new journey and I feel the Holy Spirit. I asked a brother the other day, I was like, bro, do you, 
like, I was like, it's like those questions that you're scared to ask. Like, you, the Holy Spirit speaks to you, right? Like, do you hear him? And he was like, and he was like, yeah. Do you? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, I hear him. I'm like, well, how does it look for you? I'm like, and he tells me how the Holy Spirit speaks to him. I mean, he was like, how, and, and then he asked me, how does it look for you? And I was like, yeah, bro, it's like all the time. Like, I don't even know how to turn him off sometimes. I'm just like, <laughs> and then and he's like, all right, bro, we got to be, you know, all right, cool, cool, cool. And, and it's like, it, it was just like this cool moment of like, no, it's for real. It's for real. Like, I can't tell you how many times, like, that didn't come from me. Like, I didn't do that. I didn't have that thought. I didn't, you know, like, you guys think Pat's group, you know, Pat has this cool idea. Like, no, I, I, it, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. You know, that's it. And it's like just stuff is just popping in your head, popping in, and you know, and you're guided, and it puts it on your heart. The Holy Spirit will put so much on our hearts, right? I think the question is, is do we follow his guidance, right? Do we follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, right? And you do have to be careful, obviously, because the Holy Spirit is not going to guide you to do something contrary to Scripture, right? We know that. But, but we have this, like, where I just think it's like, no, 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 shh, shh, shh. And, but why, why? Following the Holy Spirit is going to be awesome, Right? It's from God. It's incredible. You know, guys, second thing is, is grace forgives your guilt. Grace can forgive your guilt. And, uh, you know, we may know that God forgave our sins, right? We may get that. But sometimes we can still feel a little guilt, right? Uh, we used to feel a little guilt from past, past mistakes, past sin, uh, past infractions, or even current ones, Right? In Hebrews 10, it says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. When we sin, God's grace forgives us and his grace allows us to come back to him with confidence. With confidence. When we are battling sin, it will rock our confidence. It will rock your confidence. You'll feel like, man, I don't have any business going to God but I want to encourage you, don't shrink back because of your guilt. Don't shrink back. We need you. God wants to hear from you. Come back into the light. Get open. Just get it out there. Right? Our confidence can be destroyed sometimes. We just feel like, oh, I'm just struggling. I'm just a mess. I'm just a disaster. God doesn't want to hear from me. He's like, no. He's like, because of his grace, you can go back to him with confidence. With confidence. Look at Adam and Eve, right? When they messed up, what did they do? They hid. And sometimes we just hide from God when we mess up. We can think, who am I to go to God like this? Right? I have a quote for you guys. Let's turn it off. I have a quote for you guys. This is not make-believe. You are indeed guilty in yourself. But God no longer regards you as guilty. Because the guilt of your sin has already been borne by Christ as your substitute. The sentence has been served. The penalty has been paid. To use Paul's expression, you have died to sin's guilt. Don't stay on the cross. Move through the sequence. Get to the resurrection. Cleanse your conscience. We need grace. So many bad things happen that just aren't on purpose, guys. There's so many times I hurt somebody's feelings, it's just not on purpose. And Coke, we can turn it off if you want to. But so many things happen, they're just not on purpose. And I think in my marriage, I'm like, I say a lot of dumb things. I say a lot of dumb things, and, and if I'm not careful, my words can really hurt my wife's confidence, right? And so often it's like I didn't even know that was a bad one also. You know, I was like, I, I was just talking, you know. It's like I need grace. 
I need grace sometimes. Man. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not always going to say things the right way or the best way, right? And you're not either, right? Or you are. You are? Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So you, you make mistakes too? Uh, all right. Oh, so we all make mistakes. Amen. Right? In friendship, I'm not always the best friend. I have a hard time sometimes making time. I have a hard time making time for myself pretty much for anything. All right? So, so including friendships, like things that, anything that benefits me, I'm like, all right, that's tough. I'm like, let me just sacrifice, right? That's why I'm working on grace, right? But I need grace. It doesn't mean I don't love people. <laughs> like, I'm always, because I feel like I'm always talking to people, yet I'm, I'm never able to keep the friendship as deep as I want. You know, it's like weird. And so I just know that I need grace, you know. Miscommunications. So often I think my thoughts are so loud that everybody can hear them. You know, I'm like, I'm like, don't you know that, like, I love you and I trust you and I think you're great and I think you're awesome. And I just, and I think I've communicated everything well about how I feel about them and even whatever plan I'm talking about. And I just think, like, didn't you pick up on that, you know, because I'm pretty sure steam was coming off my head, right? Like, I'm pretty sure, you know, you didn't detect that. And it's like, no, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't communicate well. I have not been communicating well. So it's like, I need grace. I need grace. We need grace, right? You need grace. In leadership, in leadership, there are times I've hurt people's feelings. Oftentimes it's unintentional. Oftentimes it's unintentional. But perhaps a little bit careless, okay? I've, I've got that. But I, I'm just going to need grace. Do you need grace? Do you need grace in your family? Do you need grace from your husband, wife, kids, parents? Do you need grace? We all need some grace, right? We're going to read this passage. Um, I'm sorry, we're, we're actually in this third part here. Grace takes away your shame. In Colossians 1, 22 to 23, it says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. With God's grace, this one blew my mind when I was first studying out God's grace. You are without blemish and free from accusation. Without blemish and free from accusation. When God sees you, he's like, you are without blemish and free from accusation. If you ever feel accused, it's not from God. It's not from God if you feel accused. All right? Do we have stuff to work on? Does guilt point us towards repentance? Sure. All right? But if you're just walking around constantly accused, that's different. Because God sees you. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation as far as God is concerned. And to say anything else is to diminish the sacrifice of Jesus. If you were to argue that point, if you were to say, no, I'm actually not a new creation. I'm actually, I actually do have blemish. It's like, why would you minimize the grace? I don't understand that. And that's where I think people think grace is this excuse to be mediocre. I don't believe it is because I do believe when you really get it, it transforms you, period. Because the behavior modification doesn't do it. It doesn't do it. It's not deep enough. It doesn't go into your soul. But grace does. Unconditional love does. That changes us. And we need it, guys. 
Romans 8, 1 through 2, it says, therefore, check this out. There is now no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Yeah, there, there are consequences, right? There are consequences for your sin. People are going to blow up your sin too sometimes, by the way. You know, I think this is how we know when there's not a lot of grace. This is how we know when there's not a lot of grace. Is when people take misdemeanors and turn them into felonies. All right? Take a misdemeanor, turn it into a felony. That's when you know grace is suffering right now. Either in this relationship, in this context. And if you think God is taking your misdemeanor and turning it into a felony, you misunderstand God's grace totally. Because he'll actually take your felony and turn it into your favor. That's what's crazy. Right? And, and sometimes, like, but our sin does hurt people, right? Now, if that, if that, so that will come with consequences if that person in that situation is not very abundantly overflowing in grace. Then they're going to take the misdemeanor of the infraction and they're going to turn it into a felony. All right? Do you do that? I'd ask myself, do I do that? How do I do that? In what ways do I do that? Because sometimes if I'm in my feelings, something small can happen between Lamisha and I. And all of a sudden I'm like, here we go again. This is like the sixth time. Uh, uh, I thought we were going to try to get to church on time. Like, you know what I mean? All this stuff. And, and Misha's actually way better than I am at getting ready uh, for church. But it's like, it, but the, the, the movie reel begins to run, right, in your head when you're lacking grace for people. When you lack grace, it's like as soon as the misdemeanor happens, it's like roll tape. Ten years of infractions are, are right there, ready to go. Ten years of situations, ten years of sins. It's like roll the tape. So you didn't really ever forgive. If you're still rolling tape on people, you didn't forgive. And why not? Do you think you're going to be forgiven if you didn't? Like, do you really think you're going to get to go see Jesus having not forgiven people? And he's just going to be like, you did a great job with that not forgiving thing. You know what I mean? It would be by the skin of our teeth that we're saved and the grace of God that we're saved. But I don't want to chance it either. All right? Like, we got to forgive, guys, but this is the thing. When we understand grace and forgiveness that we receive, it's so much easier to offer it. So much. It's actually impossible to offer it without you feeling it for yourself. Okay? So if you roll tape on people, you got to ask yourself, man, where is my understanding of grace at right now? Do I really get grace for me? For me? You guys with me so far? You know, I feel like I'm not enough all the time. I feel like, you know, shame is, shame is like that. Shame will say, I made a mistake. Guilt will say, I made a mistake. Shame will say, I am a mistake. Right? You know, guilt will say, I failed the test. Shame will say, I am a failure. That's the difference between those two things. Okay? One is like, this happened and I feel bad about it. Another one is like, this defines me. And when we feel shame, we tend to hide. You know, when we feel shame, we tend to distance ourselves. And so with God's grace, we're able to come back into fellowship with each other and with God. Because a lot of times Satan is, is telling us things about ourselves, like how much of a failure we are, how bad of a Christian we are, how, how we think everybody's saying and thinking certain things about us. And it's like... And then you come to church all weird or you, or you hang out with people and you're in your, in your thoughts and in your feelings. And it's like, no, man, 
welcome, God's grace. We're still in it together. We're still struggling together. And, if, and God's grace will have hard conversations with you, but it's better to have a conversation than it is to just, like, write somebody off, right? I don't want to be written off. I think God's grace would allow for somebody to have, a, have an honest conversation with me that I can leave still feeling loved rather than them giving me the Heisman every time they see me, right? Because that's not grace. That's not grace. We got we to gotta come back into this understanding of God's grace. You know, I ask God, I want to encourage you to ask God when you get a chance. God, how do you feel about me? That's a vulnerable question. You know, and I, and I was doing this and I'm like, I, and I was like, man, if I'm going to preach it, I got to do it. All right. So I was like, man, God, how do you feel about me? I asked him. And I was expecting a lot of things, different things. And, and you know, uh, well, I think you can grow in this and I think you can grow in that. And uh, you know what I heard God say? He just said, I'm so proud of you. That's what I heard God say. That was like immediately. Immediately. And then here I am saying, God, no, you're not. That was my response. I know you're not that proud of me. And he just kept consoling me. I mean, yeah, I started crying. I'm like, he just kept saying, I'm proud of you. Like I really am. And you guys, with the grace of God, God's going to say it to you. God is proud of you guys. God is proud of you. And you might not believe it. You might not think that's for real. But God is really, really proud of you. And he sees your sacrifice. And he sees what you're going through. And he sees the battles that you've been fighting. And he sees what you've, what's been going on in your life. And he's so proud of you. No one knows your struggle the way you know your struggle. No one will understand it the way you understand it. But God loves you. And God is proud of you for hanging in there and for fighting. As we wrap up, I'll just leave it on that screen. As we wrap up today, guys, if you want to really experience God's grace, and I, I'm going to be, uh, this is going to be two or three minutes on this last part, okay, because it's really important. As, if you want to really experience God's grace, there's, there's a few ways, but I wanted to, to come hone in on one. We have to drop the facade. We have to be real. We have to be real. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that in Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We have to drop the facade. You are weak. Your thorn, whatever it is, is destroying you. Your thorn is tearing you apart. Whatever it is, it's kicking your butt. You have problems. Everybody sees it. Do you see it? Are you willing to talk about it? Are you willing to be open about it? You're hurting. And sometimes we just come to church acting like we got it all figured out. Right? Sometimes we're in friendships. It's like I'm good. And here I'll, like, I'll spill my guts in conversations. I'll talk about all my junk and how I'm angry and how I'm being impatient and how it's this and it's that. And it's like what's wrong? Is there anything going on with you? Because I leave some conversations feeling really insecure. Like everybody else has got it figured out except me. Do you really have it that figured out? Are you really that awesome of a disciple? Are you, are you a super apostle or what? Right? Because sometimes it's like, 
I don't, it doesn't matter how long it, we've been around. It doesn't, none of that stuff matters or how you had a great quiet time this morning. It's like Paul says that the power of Christ rests on him when he boasted in his weaknesses. So if you're unwilling to talk about your weaknesses, if you're unwilling to talk about your sin, do not expect to feel the grace of God. If you do not want to be authentic, if you do not want to be real, don't expect to experience the grace of God. Like when was the last time you even confessed? You know, when was the last time you said, there was, there was a moment where I was, I was really struggling. I was angry. Angry. I wanted somebody to feel it too, if I'm being honest with you. You know, I wanted them to feel that anger from me. And, and I got with Jeff and Florence and we were all talking on Zoom. And I have two options. I can complain about the person. I can say, da-da-da-da-da, and I can, I can package it pretty well, you know, to be able to help generate a level of like, yeah, let's go get them. I could if I wanted to, right? But I came into the conversation, and I was like, I'm angry. that I know what I need to do. I know this was a Zoom call. This was like four weeks ago. I know what I need to do, all right, but I don't want to do it. I want to stay angry. I didn't make it about what they did to me. I didn't make it about, now listen, I'm not saying I always do that, okay. But that's why we need each other to help us see through that stuff. Like, hey, bro, I think this is an interpersonal thing. This isn't really like a, you know, that's why we need each other. But my point is, is like when was the last time you actually confessed sin? That, you, that you're experiencing, you know, the way, the way your interpersonal relationship is going. When was the last time you confessed, I'm angry at this person? When was the last time you confessed, I wouldn't mind seeing some not-so-nice things happen in their life, right? Because that's where anger and bitterness can take you. But don't act like you never think thoughts like that. Don't act like you never experienced bitterness or, you know, that might not be what it is for you, but you have something. Like we all do. But does that show up in your relationships? Or is it just like, no, I'm kind of pretty good, you know, just walking around. You know, because then, let me tell you something. The teens see that. The people that are studying the Bible see that. And they're like, I can't cut it. I can't cut it in this. Because all I see is a bunch of just perfection. And, and, and then the teens are like, wait, but I saw that bad, that, that was sin. And then they're like, yeah, that was sin. And then you, you, you put some makeup on it to explain why you did it, right? And then they're like, stop. They're just like, why can't you just admit it, mom? Why can't you just admit it, dad? You sinned. You know, just like say, oh, sorry. Yeah, I blew it, right? And we got to do that for each other because it's so validating for our own experience that we're struggling. Guys, I'm, I, like, I mess up all the time. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure you do too, all right? So, like, drop the facade. Drop it. And you will be able to experience God's grace to an extreme degree. Augustine of Hippo, I'm getting up. Augustine of Hippo said, God gives, God gives where he finds empty hands. The last thing I'll leave you with today is how empty are your hands. And to that degree, you will experience God's grace. Thank you, guys. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.